Hello, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Rebecca F. as in fellowship, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, November 30th, 2021, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today, we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 7, working with others on page 102, the first paragraph. We will be reading and commenting on just that one paragraph only, which begins with, why sit with a long face, and ends with, just because your friends drink liquor. Today's readers are Mary Agnes Y, Reggie O, Phil M, Sandy C, and Susan S. H. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, November 29th, 2021 are 18,154 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 18154 and 18,155 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 18155. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery to the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Mary Agnes Y to read the OA 12 steps. Good morning, the 12 steps. We admit it, number one, we admit it we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory 
and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you, Mary Agnes Y. I will now ask Reggie O. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Reggie O. Gratefully recovered here in Texas today. And these are the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, which he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. And uh, I'll pass to that. Thanks so much, Reggio. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. 
Today we resume our study of the big book, and we will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph only on page 102, which begins with, why sit with a long face, and ends with, just because your friends drink liquor. I will now ask Phil M. to go ahead and read that for us. Um, thank you, Rebecca, for your service. My name is Phil M., a gratefully recovered compulsive overreader from Carrick Fergus in Northern Ireland. Why sit with a long face in places where there's drinking, sighing about the good old days? If it is a happy occasion, try to increase the pleasure of those there. If a business occasion, go and attend to your business enthusiastically. If you're with a person who wants to eat in a bar, by all means go along. Let your friends know they are not to change their habits on your account. At a proper time and place, explain to all your friends why alcohol disagrees with you. If you do this thoroughly, few people will ask you to drink. While you were drinking, you were withdrawing from life little by little. Now you are getting back into the social life of this world. Don't start to withdraw again just because your friends drink liquor. Well, I think this is a major difference between um, alcoholism and um, uh, food compulsion. Um, people don't really understand um, the addiction uh, of food. And in my case, it, it's particularly sugar. Um, and they will press and press and press, you know. Um, so I did try to explain to a dear friend, a sweet friend, um, uh, about it but however we were planning a trip to Italy and she had booked a pizza and ice cream making class for us well you know I got a plan I was recovered at that point about a year and a half or I was abstinent a year and a half slight difference big difference actually so the great plan was that I would eat the ice cream I wasn't going to make it and not eat it and then when I came back from holiday uh, I would get back to my abstinence and I guess Everyone in the room has a good idea what happened. What followed very sadly and very, very difficult uh, period of my life was five and a half years of relapsing. I did keep coming back, um, but it was it was hell. So then in 2019, um, I was blessed with abstinence one week before my 60th birthday. My children had got together and paid for a short break uh, back in Italy again. Um, but I was at my heaviest, which was 16 and a half stone, 261 pounds. But I was happy. I was happy because I had, I was abstinent. And it's amazing even one day of abstinence, the difference it makes, you know, it's such a big help. That day, I, we had photographs taken. They had hired a little boat. And um, I was holding up a glass of, of liquor. I'll not mention what it was. And I was very tempted to take it after all. It was my big birthday. But I knew I'd be uh, in trouble if I did. So three months later, uh, fear of sponsoring, however, sent me back into the food. Uh, so in September 2021, um, I went to a weekend in Dunleary and, by the grace of God, got a sponsor and discovered vision. Um, by that time, I had been beaten into a state of reasonableness uh, with my experiences with food. Um, and it was... Uh, it was amazing to find that. Since then, I've had the privilege of sponsoring quite a few people in this, these few years. Amazing women, brilliant women. Um, today, I'm living in the, you know, 10, 11 and 12. And uh, the promises uh, have come true. And most days, 
I do comprehend the word serenity and I do know peace. However, at the minute that peace and serenity is being tested, uh, my eldest daughter is expecting her first child and at seven and a half months, she's experiencing a great deal of pain. Unlike me, she has a high pain threshold. But I worked the, uh, the Step 10 train yesterday and I heard from God, you know, that she is with my daughter, looking after her, caring for her, and that she's also loving me too and looking after me as well in it all. So uh, can I go anywhere now? I can. I can go to parties and I focus on the people and, as it says, uh, increasing the pleasure of the people there where I can. Um, the holidays are coming up and I do find find them um, challenging. I will be on the meeting here uh, listening away and getting all the help and support I can, but also trying to make sure that I'm not focusing on the food um, uh, but focusing on the people that are around me, my family, and being grateful, having a, an attitude of gratitude. And I am uh, very blessed to be here, and I thank you for the privilege of doing this service. With that, I pass. Thank you, Phil M. Now, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. <clears throat> So if you haven't shared on a vision for you on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the first paragraph on page 102, why sit with a long face through just because your friends drink liquor, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Rachel K. Harlan G. Dara L. Wait a second. Harlan. And who was after Harlan? Jean S. Jean. Rachel K. I got Rachel. And then Dara L. Okay, keep going if you'd like. Rachel, Harlan, Jean, and Dara. Was it Vasa O. Vasa Christina o. J. Christina J. Jackie A. Okay, and why don't we stop there, Jackie A. So I have Rachel, Harlan, Jean, Dara, Vasa, Christina and Jackie. Rachel K, go right ahead. Hi, thank you so much. Good morning. This is Rachel K from Northern California. Um, yeah, so, you know, of course, I want to say this reading is apropos of the holidays, but of course, every reading is apropos of the holidays and apropos of not the holidays. Um, you know, when. I first got recovered in abstinence and I was, you know, so worried about what are, what are people going to think of me and it's going to be so awkward. And now, yeah, sometimes it's awkward. Uh, um, what people think of me, you know, who cares? Um, because my relationship with God and, you know, abstinence is step zero. And putting down the food, uh, those are the most important things in my life without exception. Now, that's really easy for somebody um, who's been around the rooms for a while um, and who is recovered to say, and, and a lot harder for somebody who's newly abstinent to say. But the way I look at it is this, um, you know, if I am focused on me and what are people going to think of me and not what can I bring to the occasion? 
then yeah, it's going to be awkward. And I'm going to be worried about what are people going to think of me if they, you know, pressure me to eat something uh, and I don't. They all focus is going to be on me. But you know what I found? People love to talk about themselves, you know, me included, of course. But other people, too, love to talk about themselves. And if I find that somebody is, you know, oh, you're, and usually the company is, oh, you're so good, you're so good, or how come you're not, you know, what, you know, or you can have this just once. If I just turn it around and just quickly shift the focus to them, so, oh, no, no, thanks, not, you know, not this evening, I'm not all that hungry. So how is so-and-so? If I shift it to them, then the focus is quickly off of me. The only people who seem to harp on trying to get me to eat or why I'm not eating what they're eating or, or you know, why what I'm eating is different than they're eating, usually those people, you know, I don't want to take anybody's inventory, but, um, you know, usually those people are a little bit too invested in food. Um, usually those are the people who tend to have their own problems and bless them change me. So if I can turn it around and just quickly, you know, shift the focus from myself and I'm being service to them, ask how are they doing, what's going on in their lives, um, or, you know, even the weather, anything else, just shift the focus, not make a big deal about it. That's is that was that my time? Oh, I heard something. I thought it was my yeah. Um, oh, that was that was okay. I'll wrap up. But basically, it's it's about being of service. You know, getting out of myself. Less Rachel, more God. For God's sake. Um, so anyway, thanks a lot, everybody. Have a good morning, and I'll pass. Thanks, Rachel K. Harlan G. Thanks, Rebecca. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona, and if you would time me, I'd be eternally grateful because I'm out walking. Thanks, Rebecca, also for your service. When I read the words about the sordid places, I'm reminded that I've never been in a lot of sordid places, but what I've done is I've traveled a lot for OA. And sometimes I got really lucky and my flights connected and sometimes not. I remember one horrible, horrible day on my way to Mobile, Alabama to do a big book weekend. I was stuck in Houston, Texas for 14 hours. What a nightmare that was. I remember going to Bend, Oregon and getting stuck in L.A. for several hours and and other places like that. But I'm reminded of a story that has nothing to do with me but illustrates this point perfectly. I had a friend of mine, his name was Scott, and Scott was an alcoholic drug addict, and he was a member of AA, and one day when he was living in Los Angeles, California, he was on the phone, he was answering the phone for the local AA group, and a call came in from a man who was in East L.A., And for anybody that knows, East L.A. is not one of the more upscale neighborhoods. I don't know that it was a sordid place, but it wasn't one of the more upscale neighborhoods. And he and another gentleman go out to this motel in East L.A. And there's a man drinking whiskey 
and sitting on the bed. And they came in and talked to him for about an hour and realized he was asleep. They put him to bed, and five years later, five years later, my friend Scott was a speaker at an Alcathon in Mission Bay in San Diego. And he finished his, his talk, and a man comes up to him and throws a bear hug on him and says, are you Scott? And he says, yes. He says, you saved my life. And he says, I, I don't know you. I, I, don't, I don't know you. Have we met? The man says, oh, yes, yes, yes. Let me. He says, do you remember a few years ago when you came out to East L.A. and you came out to this motel and you were talking to a guy that was sitting on the bed He says, yes, yes, I remember. He says, well, I was underneath the bed, too scared to come out. But I heard every word you said, and I haven't had a drink in five years. This works. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks very much, Harlan G. Jean S. Uh, good morning. This is Jean S. from uh, Utah, a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, I'm just wanting to express gratitude this morning for, for living through a holiday that had a lot of food and for the first time ever um, not going toward my compulsive foods with lots of family um, lots of food as I realized what was prepared in there it it was you know 95% was nothing I could eat (laughs) and so of course I I created what I needed for me Um, you know my family knows that I am a compulsive overeater and gotten help through a vision for you and so in my case they don't they didn't give me grief they didn't make it a problem um they just let me be and i let them be with no comment you know about the food so mostly uh, i'm grateful to have lived through an occasion with the help of um, this program which always points me to god and so with that i'll pass Thank you. Thank you, Jean S. Dara L. Um, Okay, great. Thanks so much. Uh, This is Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. (laughs) Uh, This paragraph, you know, it it makes me laugh because... um, so I'm a low bottom, like gutter level bulimic. I've been institutionalized 18 times um, at various treatment centers, been in hospitals, almost died as a result of this disease. So there is nobody in my life who does not know that I'm a compulsive overeater, except me, you know, right? Like sometimes I forget. Um, 
Uh, and I just, I, I really, when it talks about when you were drinking, you were withdrawing from life little by little. For me, that wasn't the case. Like I would, I would be abstinent or abstinish or whatever it was. And then, you know, I would, I'd be off. I'd be off on a bender. I'd be off in an institution somewhere, you know. And, um, and I think as a bulimic, I always knew when I would go to social events that I couldn't eat with other people because I couldn't stop. And then I would be binging. Like, it was so obvious. You know, my disease was so obvious that I could never do it socially. I, I, um, but what I would do is I wouldn't go to the social events. I would stay home and binge and purge. Um, or I would go to the event. I wouldn't eat a thing. And then, you know, as soon as I, I'd take food on the way home or whatever, and I, it would be off, you know, I would be, I, I would be off. And so for me, you know, the, the beauty of recovery is that I can show up for life. Um, and I can tell the truth and about myself and my disease, and I don't really have to justify what I do or don't do with food to anyone. However, um, what I have found is that it's important for me to um, to claim that I have this disease. And so today, you know, I, I do tell people about it, but I don't expect them to understand because I, I don't I, I don't even understand. <laughs> like I don't I don't understand. Like why in the world would you know spending three hundred dollars a day on food that I flush down the toilet, you know, like sticking my fingers down my throat. Like that that doesn't sound appealing to anyone. I don't understand this disease. Um but I can explain the allergy of the body and the mental obsession. I can explain um, my eating disorder history, um, and then I can just be the person God wants me to be. And and for me, one of the beauties about telling people about the nature of the illness is that you know I I don't like being vulnerable and I don't like being human. But I but telling people you know this is my story, this is my history has been such a it, it's really I mean it's kind of ego shattering, right? <laughs> like and it's been really funny. I've been dating lately and to like go on dates and be like, yep. I'm in recovery from an eating disorder, you know, like that's not sexy, but it's beautiful and it's true. Um, and so, yeah, I'm very grateful that um, in my case, food never amplified my joy or my pleasure or allowed Thank me to you. show up. Yep. I heard that or allowed me to show up for anything. Um, uh, but recovery has allowed, has given me, given me a life worth living um, and I'll pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Dara L. Before Vasa O takes her turn sharing, I'm just going to let the latecomers know what we read. And that is the first paragraph on page 102, I sit with a long face through just because your friends drink liquor. Vasa O, take it away. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Florida, from Port Tyler, Florida. So uh, I love the reading this morning. I love to be reminded every day where we are, where I am, where I have been and where I am today. I'm so grateful that I have found over Eaters Anonymous, the 12 steps, the vision for you. It's awesome. So before I came to my programs, I had no clue anything about eating disorders, anything about bulimia, anorexia. I just love to read. That's all I knew. And I've learned it all here. I learned about the allergy, the obsession, which I knew I had obsession. I could not stop it. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't know how. Well, you know, my sponsor said the only way we could do it is by finding a power greater than ourselves 
and working through the steps, and that's how we do it. And I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And it says in the big book, it says, no husband, uh, no work job, no kids. I can recover if I, you know, if I do the work that's laid out in the in the steps. And uh, I used to push the food. I'm a gourmet cook, and I used to push the food on other people before I came to recovery, you know. And I've learned differently today. I don't do that, and I don't want anybody pushing the food on me either. So, But I remember going to the old country. I was in the program, and I was in my recovery, and people love to push food, you know. They're very hospitable. And uh, I I had to lie. I mean, they would put the, the sugar in my hand, and I mean, they would force me to take, and I put it in my hand, and I put my hand behind and put, pretend, oh, I pretend that I put it in my mouth, but I really didn't, you know. And I don't, I go to any length. You know, I went, at the beginning was very, very hard, but I went to any length. I came October, and all the holidays and everything was right after. And my sponsor would say, one day at a time. And uh, I still got a little time left. And then I remember going to my mother-in-law's for Thanksgiving, and I was abstinent and in recovery. I was so tempted. I remember going in the bathroom, locking the door and getting on my knees. And I would go with the guys watching sports, smoking. People smoked in the houses then. But I go, I went to any length. And today I can go anywhere, any place. I have the protection from my higher power and working the steps. And it works if we work it. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Christina J. Good morning, everyone. Christina J. from the state of Washington today, recovered by God's grace. Thank you all for your service. I have such uh, memories of being isolated, and, you know, I just wanted the world to see me. I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be appreciated. But yet I had this extra weight at times. So I would isolate. I wouldn't go anywhere. If I was overweight, even by 5 or 10 pounds in my early days, you weren't going to see me. I'd have some excuse not to go to the gathering. But if I'd been on a diet and I'd gotten to my model thin look, I would go and I would bring my food. It wasn't abstinent food. It was diet food. Or I would eat what they had and not put butter on it, you know, just have corn dry, have potatoes dry, have a dry piece of meat with no oil. And I'd sit there in my pride about how I was looking and... I was not present with people. I didn't know how to be. I just knew I needed their love and attention. I didn't know that being of service with my love and my presence and the God within me was going to be service to them. In fact, I wasn't even connected to all that. I was so riddled with getting mine throughout life, and I don't blame myself for that because I didn't know. But um, now I can go to a gathering and my, my boss invited me to lunch one day. One of the guys was leaving, and I said, oh, I, 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 don't, I don't need to go. I've got my own food. And he says, well, why don't you just come and be present? And that's what I did. And I wasn't tempted at all. I was able to be there and be friendly and, and talk with people. Thanksgiving, I went, and um, I engaged people in conversation and asked them about their lives and their jobs. And, you know, nobody was asking me about recovery. But the thing is, is I'm walking a recovered life. I am bringing a body and a mind and a spirit that is pleasant, peaceful, connected, 
And, you know, that brings a good energy. So that is living life in recovery. That is bringing God to the party. Let's bring God to the party within ourselves with our recovery. There was a cake at this gathering. It was on Sunday, actually. They celebrated late. My husband wanted a piece. It was gluten-free and all this, but it had sugar in it, so it wasn't my food. It wasn't my food anyway. Cake is not my food. So I went and got him a piece, and the little girl in me, the old little girl, said, oh, why don't you, why don't you take a lick, you know, like you used to, like you'd get it on your fingers, and you'd lick it, and, oh, man, I recoiled as if from a hot flame. I went right to the sink and <laughs> washed it off, you know. The voices are still there. I'm one bite away. I knew I could not take a bite. See, I've come to that realization. One bite will take me to hell, you know. So um, now I don't sit with a long face in places where they're drinking and having a good time. I go and bring God. I sit there, and, you know, I'm not always present with God and all spiritually airy-fairy, but I just bring a good presence, and I'm peaceful. See, that's the difference is I'm peaceful. I'm not driven nuts by the food all around me. I didn't. All I was doing in the old diving days was sitting there with my food, and then I'd sneak into the kitchen and think, Time, Christina. what can I put in my mouth that's going to not affect my diet? So it's newcomers, it's great to be free of the desire and the craving and the food. Get on the train. Join us. It's a beautiful journey. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Christina J. Jackie A. Hi, everybody. This is, can I be heard? Yeah, loud and clear. Okay. Thank you. This is Jackie A. from Connecticut as well. And I went to my first holiday without loud food chatter. And it was it was really nice. And um, this this yesterday morning and today, like I recognize that I'm in like my female cycle, and I'm I'm grateful that that didn't happen during the holiday season. Like I'm grateful that my family is warm and opening up about like their own mental health and. You know, we struggle with addiction on families. We struggle with um, with even, like, incarceration in families and BCF in my side. So it's, it's healthy for me to be able to have those conversations. I work in recovery. I work in health care. And at the same time, I'm a trimorbid person. And so there's, like, no secrets about it. And just being able to have that conversations over tea and coffee before the holidays, it's like I try to continue that during during those meal times. And, you know, I, I love pumpkin pie, and the pumpkin pies, of course, sat right in front of me. And I remember telling my sponsor and committing to no nibbling. Like, she was very tough in an amazing way. She was just like, no, like, that's, that's not your abstinence. That's no one plate, not going back for more. And that, like, that state is like a mantra for me. Um, and then the last couple of days, like I woke up, you know, a little bit sappy. I'm sad. I went through a breakup three months ago. I'm going to see my ex most likely at a holiday party. And just like those reminders of just listening, like listening to God and the next people that I hear. And, um, my coworkers are like, yeah, I'm so excited. It's like, you know, it's two hours and we're done. Like the first hours, like the kids opening presents. The dinner on Friday is served, and within an hour, we're leaving. And I'm like, that's great. (laughs) So it's just, I have to, when I'm present, I feel like God constantly gives me little miracles. And 
I can be of service. I'm, I washed all the dishes on Thanksgiving. Like, I want to clean up the wrapping paper if I can on Friday. Um, I want to be able to, you know, ask who's struggling at the table, like, tell me about what's going on because I love that I'm, I love that I have like a gift in terms of being able to listen and help in my profession and also in my family. And they know how to help me like turn off the chatter in my head because I'm being with them. I'm being with that company. And I love coffee without sugar and decaf coffee. So like it's everywhere. Like that's to me like my safe place where I can hold it in my hands and put it to my mouth and feel like safe enough to know that like I'm there. So thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jackie A. If you haven't shared on A Vision for You on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the first paragraph on page 102, why sit with a long face through just because your friends drink liquor, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Sharon H. Okay, let me interrupt for a second. The only name I wrote down was Sharon, and I didn't even get her last initial. So let's try again. Sharon and then who? Was after Sharon or at the same time? Did you get Jen out? I didn't get anybody. Was it Jen? And then who? Gotcha. And then who Serena. was after Jen? Serena. I don't know. And who else? Try it. Who said I don't know? Linda D is in there somewhere. Kelly Linda F. D. Kelly F. Okay, we may have time for the a sixth person. If anybody wants to take a chance. I think we do. Chris W. Okay, so that's all we have room for, and I didn't get most initials. I got Sharon, Jen, Serena, Linda D., Kelly, and Chris W., and there's another hour after this. Sharon, go right ahead. This is Sharon F. in Ecuador, and um, I'm... um, wanted to comment on this paragraph because it's um, so uh, amazing that when I used to read this paragraph years and years ago, when I first got into program, I um, did not get it. I did not understand how I could go to these places and be around people that were doing things I couldn't do because I wasn't recovered. And um, for me, this paragraph is about being recovered. It's the promise of being recovered, that when um, I got recovered, I have complete food neutrality. So I don't really want anything that's there. I don't really um, have the same um, desires that I had before when I was with people like that. And so when I got recovered um, this year, I stopped that character defect of mine that was so strong of people pleasing where I had to explain everything to everybody. Oh, I, I don't eat this because I have the allergy of the body. I don't eat this because of that. And all this explanation, which in my family invites, um, arguments, uh, invites conflict because it's like, 
they love to um, be the devil's advocate. So this year um, I'm recovered and um, I had my first holiday like that. And I just said, I don't want it. <laughs> I just, no people pleasing, no, no allergy of the mind or allergy of the body explanations, nothing. I just, I don't want it. No, thanks. I don't want that because I didn't want it. And it was, I think it's one of the first times I didn't want it. I could have cared less about all the things that used to be my special friends at all these gatherings. So that's what um, this paragraph brought to mind is just, it's the promise of neutrality and what that um, will bring in someone's life when they're recovered. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Sharon S. Jen, you're next. Hi, everyone. This is Jen F. Recovered in Massachusetts. Uh, thanks for your service. And I love this paragraph. I'm going to start calling this the why sit with the long face paragraph or principles because I just um, in looking at it I just see there's so many instructions specific instructions for how to not have a long face which is you know uh, that is part of being recovered is that I get to not be a grouch so the first one I noted was increase the pleasure of others you know like not I was just talking to a sponsee this morning about like, I am a girl who wants to like saturate every experience with more me and more my preferences. So even in abstinence, like I want to like have a show. I want to like amp up everything while I'm eating. And this is like, no, 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 no. We don't saturate with what my preferences are in experience. Your job is to try to increase the pleasure of Jen. No, of those there, like help others. Bring joy to situations. Um, the other one I noticed this morning when I was reading this before the meeting was let your friends know they are not to change their habits on your account. Now, they're talking about drinking or eating, but I think that's a principle I can apply in general. Like, my friend, my husband, not to change. It's not to change on my account, right? Like, my job is not, they don't have to change their eating. You know, they don't have to change the way that they live, the choices they make, their preferences, that is not a requirement for me to be a recovered woman, right? I, I remember thinking like what I need, you know, I was like the person who wanted to withdraw and like change others so that I could be abstinent, like not taking trips, taking trips, you know, making people do what I want or say what I want so that I can, so that I can be comfortable. And this is like, no, no, no. The principle is, don't change. They don't have to change. I'm changing. That's, that's, the, like, that's the gift and that's the goal. So they don't have to change the way they eat, the way they drink, the way they fold the laundry, the way they drive, the way they use their phone a lot. <laughs> they can just be themselves. And I work on changing with God. Like, God, change me. And then the last one is just this last sentence, which I never noticed really before. Um, but don't start to withdraw again just because your friends drink liquor. And I've noticed it, but I didn't notice what I came to me this morning was just like, don't, don't withdraw, connect. So anything I think, like my nature is withdraw, retreat, like count my green beans in the closet, you know, like be small. And God is like, no, 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 don't do that. This is a revolutionary program. I want you to connect. I want you to be at the table with a happy face. I want you to be bringing joy. I want you to stop differentiating yourself in any way, including because you're an addict, and connect with people. See the similarities. So um, my child's coming down the stairs, so I'm going to wrap up. Thanks so much.
Thanks, Jen S. Serena. Thank you so much for your service. It's Serene S., um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New Hampshire. Um, you know, what I'm, I'm so aware of after the holiday, and I hosted my younger sister's birthday, um, I used to pray when tempted, God, please step in front of this item that I'm tempted by. I have no interest in anything that would get in the way. And that worked for a long time, but I found I was doing that more and more often, and um, so I didn't have the neutrality. I I found that I was doing that more and more, um, and so my prayers now are to God to please have me be neutral. And we had the best time at my sister's birthday where I hosted. We had everything that everybody requested particularly her gluten-free this vegetarian that everything and none of it mattered to me i was there to really celebrate her meet her friends host her friends um and i just find that if i have a long face you know what what's about what what after all this work what is it that I would have as a relationship with God. God doesn't want me to have a long faith. Why am I not celebrating? So I find this neutrality is my celebration and that I can be there and uh, have it be about her, have it be about her friends, uh, get to know them. There's a level of intimacy that I had this weekend uh, hosting her and my husband said when I went to the kitchen to do some things and straighten up he goes no you go out and be there with them you are having such a good time and it just was a continued affirmation and confirmation my prayers are answered about being neutral and celebrating my my relationship with a God of my understanding that you know moment by moment hour by hour one day at a time has me be free um I, I, what would I have a long face about? Um, I just uh, am so grateful, and it was it was so different this past weekend. And I've been around for a few decades of 24 hours in and out, and uh, delightful, just delightful celebration of neutrality and connection with God and other people, and seeing God in other people. Thank you so much for your service and letting me share. Thank you for sharing, Serene S. Linda D. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. in Connecticut. I'm uh, amazed and very grateful to be abstinent. I had a really rotten Thanksgiving, and it was rotten because that's life. Sometime rotten shows up. I went to help someone who's very dear to me, very precious to me, and she's going back into the disease and there is no way I can stop it. And what I had to do was to call a fellow in recovery. She's on this line. And uh, she plugged into God and gave me the right answer. And the answer was to give my friend 
my the first friend over to God. And it was hard and it was painful. And I was embarrassed that I, I wasn't doing better at Thanksgiving. But I'll tell you, I did just fine because this program works under heavy going. Every time I'm in a kitchen and I live alone, I take God. I take God all day long to the best of my ability. And that is why I have gratitude for my relationship with God, my relationship with you. These things are saving my life. I practiced being self-destructive with food my entire life. And I am just getting back into life. And I don't even have eight years yet, but I have damn near it. And boy, am I grateful. And I pass. Thanks, Linda D. Kelly, you're next. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Rebecca. Thanks for your service. It's Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Oklahoma. Uh, grateful to be on the line. Um, so my shares will maybe a little different. Like, so when we were, when I read this paragraph and uh, was listening to everybody, my very first thought was uh, my experience that I had it's the first conversation of my sponsor that I have now. And one of the things she had me do was um, I had to fold a piece of paper in half and draw a line down the middle. And she said, okay, put your name on this side and then everybody else on this other side, your family, your coworkers and all this. She goes, we were talking about the big book um, together. And she's like, this is, this is you. You're the distinct entity. You are talked about in a doctor's opinion with a distinct entity and it's talking about the food, of course, you know, the, the allergies to the body, the mental obsession. And she says, you're on this side of the page. And the problem is you keep trying to get on that other side of the page, but you can't get on that side of the page. So what I want to share, that has been so powerful. When she had me do that, I thought that's stupid, whatever. But I cannot tell you how often I use that visual because here's what happens to me, guys. This is what happened to me over Thanksgiving. I forget I'm the distinct density. What I forget and what she said to me is, I'm not on that side of the page by myself. You guys are on that side of the page with me. She's on that side of the page with me. But when I'm out in the real world, when I'm with my family and all this stuff, whether it's food, whatever, behaviors, anything, I get on that side of the page. I'm on that side of the page all by myself. What's wrong with me? Why do I have to eat like this? Why do I have to? Here's what I'm like. Not only why do I have to eat like this, why do I have to do so much stuff just to be F and okay, just a function in the world. Why do I have to pray and meditate? Why do I have to call all these people? Why do I have to study this stuff? Why do I have to get up early? Why do I have to do all this? Poor me, right? Thank God for the upon awakening. I'm reminded, direct my thinking, God, that works me out of self-pity. And I have to remember, I'm not the only one on that side of the page, and I forget that. And I can so easily get into self-pity. So I just wanted to share that for the newcomer. You're not alone. I mean, those slogans we hear, that's true. We're not alone. That's why I have to reach out when I'm feeling that way and connect with you guys. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm feeling the same way. My family's about to make me go crazy. You know what? I want to eat or I just want to go off on them or whatever it is. I'm a distinct entity. I can't afford to do those things. But neither can you guys. And I'm not alone in that. And I so easily forget that. So I'm so grateful today 
So I was reminded of that over the weekend, over the Thanksgiving weekend. I'm not alone. No matter how long I have recovery, no matter how long I've been around, I tend to get into that place. So I'm grateful it is a one-day-at-a-time program and that today I'm reminded I'm not alone. Can I tell you guys I'm not alone? Glad to be here. Thanks, Rebecca. Pat. Thanks, Kelly. Yes. Chris W. Hi, this is Chris W. Chris with a K, and I'm from Tennessee. And so I got to, you know, have my first clean Thanksgiving for a while um, this holiday. And so I decided that I was eating ahead of time and just not eating one bite there and that I'd be okay. So, um, and that's what I did. And um, so I I saw them putting the green beans on the um, bowl and I thought, oh, well, actually I could have some green beans because I'm um, plant-based. And then I watched her pour all this oil on top of them and I thought, Oh, thank you, God, because had I um, just decided to have a bite, I would have been breaking what my um, purity of that I was not going to eat anything. And But it was the most beautiful thing that I didn't really notice the food. I was busy talking with people and um, and learning about, you know, this family here, there's the husband was a doctor. The two kids are just finishing their doctor degrees, and um, and it, you know, and I didn't even go to college, and it was just so sweet because everyone was just nice, and there wasn't any um, pomp or anything like that. And they just would talk and ask me a lot of questions, and I realized um, that. I could have asked more questions myself. So those are things that I'll do in the next time. And um, and I didn't really even need to say that I was vegan or I didn't need to say um, that I'd once weighed 120 pounds more than I did. It's like they weren't really even impressed. And so I'm just realizing what things I can say next time. I really... I was present the whole time. I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, I wish I could have one more of this or, you know, I wonder if they would notice and all the crazy chatter that usually would go on in my head. I just enjoyed my time. And then when it felt time to go home, I was able to go home. But, um, and for, through all that, I am celebrating today my first 30 days of abstinence so I hadn't done that um, ever unless I fasted for 30 days and then I ate for you know for the next few weeks anyway with that I'll pass thanks Chris W thank you everyone for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service the share ID number for this meeting Tuesday November 30th 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 18,159. That's 18159. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study 
immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Sandy C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.